Welcome back, everybody, to the first Imperial College Football Podcast. Uh, it's only been, I guess, a week or so since we last talked to you, but it's felt like forever. Uh, that being said, we do have quite a bit to talk about today, a lot of it on one topic, uh, but a couple coaching hires to discuss uh, before we get to that topic. Uh, and and if you're a college football fan, you probably know what we're going to be talking about mostly today. But before we get into that, Anthony, how's life going? It's been only a week since we last talked, but uh, how's life? Life's been good. Uh, just a lot of work recently. But uh, other than that, been hanging in there. Um, but yeah, let's get into these coaching hires. Um, quite a few, or at least a decent amount to go over. We'll kind of just go over them in, in short detail. And then transition into uh, the big topic of the week that everybody's been talking about in the college football world. So, Dylan, get us started here. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Yeah, we'll start off with the coaching hires of the last couple, uh, I guess, a week or so. Uh, some of these may have been before our last uh, conversation. But we'll start off with an offensive coordinator hire. That's uh, Penn State hiring a former uh, Oklahoma State uh, offensive coordinator, former Ohio State quarterbacks coach, and uh, most recently former Texas offense coordinator Mike Yursich uh, to be their next offense coordinator. Again, uh, parting ways with Kirk Sharaka after just one year in Happy Valley. This was a surprising move, I think, to both of us, Anthony. Uh, we both, I think, expected Sharaka to get another year with the Ninny Lions. It obviously wasn't a great year for them offensively, at least the first four games. They did find themselves in the second half of the year, but uh, concern all, all the circumstances, I think we both thought he was going to return, but uh, credit to James Franklin. He saw a way to get better. Uh, he saw the man he wanted out there, and he uh, went out and struck a deal. Yeah, I think that um, Penn State fans all expected Chiraka to be back, and I think that nobody would have been upset if he had been back for a second year you know and considering the circumstances of his first year in a pandemic never really got a chance to implement his offense uh, never really got a chance to work with his guys in person for an extended period of time so for in that regard I kind of feel bad for him I feel like he kind of got the short end of the deal here but I give a lot of credit to James Franklin for making this move um you know Mike Yurkic Mike, Mike Yurkic is a great hire for them um, he's done a lot of great things at Oklahoma State. Uh, he made Justin Fields look really good at Ohio State. Justin Fields makes himself look good, obviously, but Yurkic was a big part of that as a quarterback coach. He was. And uh, Texas's offense took a huge step forward this year, even though the team as a whole might not have. Uh, that offense looked really, really fun and really explosive under Yurkic. Uh, obviously, Texas yeah. didn't, need, didn't need him back because Sarkeesian runs his own offense there. So I credit James Franklin for making an upgrade and getting his guy. Yeah, and there there obviously Tom Herman did have some play some of the some or even most of the play con uh duties, but uh either way it was mostly Yursich's game planning and uh offense that Texas really showed this year. So uh yeah I think it's a big hire for Penn State. We'll see if it works out. Uh I James Franklin had a press conference on Tuesday to discuss really uh, the Nittany Lions going into the offseason. And he really said it came down to just offensive philosophy. They wanted more big plays. They wanted to get the ball to more uh, players. And uh, Shiraka's offense really was more of a uh, calculated attack, slow moving, uh, get the ball to a couple guys and not a lot of guys. And then, but in Yursich's offense, it's more of a quick strike. a la a Joe Moorhead type offense where he's going to spread the ball around, really. Uh, And so, yeah, I think it's a nice hire for Penn State. We'll have to see how it works out. That being said, there's been two major coaching hires, maybe not major, but uh, notable ones, to say the least. The first one is Boise State has hired uh, Oregon defense defense coordinator Andy Avalos to be their next head coach. Avalos had spent uh, a considerable amount of time there in Boise before going to Oregon, I believe, before the 2019 season. Uh, so he'll replace Brian Harson uh, there. What's your thoughts on Avalos? I think it's a good hire for Boise State. Um, obviously, Brian Harson leaving for Auburn 
to be their new head coach. And uh, you know, I think you know Boise State is always a team that you can have a lot of success there, just because they are considered one of the creams, they're the best team in the Mountain West year after year, and they're one of the best group of five teams period in the country. And it's kind of a, a low pressure job in my opinion. So I think that uh, Avalos can walk into a good situation there, and you know, really have some success there. I think he was a great defensive mind for Oregon. I think he did a great job with that defense. And I think he could really succeed with Boise State. I, I agree that I think it is low pressure in the terms of you really have all you need to be successful there. You are going to always recruit well because of basically the prestige of the program at this point. You're considered probably the best G5 program in the country because of how consistent you've been. So, yeah, a lot of it comes – just by the brand, uh, and in that sense, does make it quite uh, low pressure. Uh, but I, I, yeah, a great defensive mind uh, for Oregon the last two years. Their defense took a little bit of a step back this year, but he, he's still a very bright defensive mind and a good recruiter, and he'll have that program humming going forward as well. Uh, and then also, uh, Marshall has hired. Uh, Alabama running backs coach Charles Huff to be their next head coach. This one is a little bit surprising to me just because, and I think it, it was going to be no matter who was the hire, but I don't know if Charles Huff is the guy to replace such a strong head coach in Doc Holliday. I mean, you fired Doc Holliday to land him just seems I mean this isn't anything it's Huff. Huff is one of the best uh up and coming coaches in college football, great recruiter. He's gonna be very successful. It's just on paper. I to go from Doc Holiday to a guy who's unproven as a head coach seems very risky for Marshall. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you in that respect. I think it can be a, a risky move. Uh, and Charles Huff, like you said, is a great recruiter. Um, it's argued he was the best recruiter in the country last year. Um, he's a yeah. DMV guy he's from Maryland. So he, he played a big part in a lot of the, uh, the, the DMV recruits that Alabama gets year after year. Um, before that, he was the running backs coach at Penn State. And he was a big reason for the success of Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders, two guys who are currently having a lot of success in the NFL as well. So, uh, you know, Charles Huff is a big name, and he's considered a rising star. He's only 37 years old. Um, like you said, I do agree that the, the firing of Doc Holliday was a little suspicious. It was weird timing. He was coming off a really good year with Marshall. Um, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me that they would let him go, but um, I guess they wanted to go in the direction of a young up-and-coming guy, and uh, Charles Huff definitely fits that bill. Um, I think he's going to recruit his recruit his tail off. I think he's going to put a staff around him that can recruit really well. And I expect him to, to have success there. And I don't think he'll be at Marshall long if he does have success. Yeah, if he does have success uh, quickly, this is a guy who I don't think is going to stay at Marshall. He really has no ties to the program, I believe. Um, but yeah, the whole firing of Doc Holliday is such, it is a crazy story. If if you have a chance to go read it, uh, go search it on Google. It, it goes all the way up to the governor of West Virginia. Uh, crazy story, uh, say the least. But uh, yeah, I, I do think it is a good hire for Marshall. There's a lot of potential there. Uh, I, I guess I'm still just left a little, uh, I don't want to say salty, but it, the whole firing of Holiday just, still doesn't sit right with me and uh, yeah but talking about guys leaving alabama and charles huff steve sarkeesian at texas anthony has uh taken his fair share of uh, alabama coaches with him to uh austin yeah he is definitely raiding alabama a little bit obviously he was their offensive coordinator now the head coach at texas um, he's taken Kyle Flood with him. Kyle Flood was Alabama's offensive line coach, and he will be – he was their offensive line coach, right? I'm not yeah. mixing that up with the tight end coach. Yeah. No, so yeah, I'm not mixing that up. 
good. He was their offensive line coach, and he will now be Texas's offensive coordinator as well as offensive line coach. But in reality, he's going to be their offensive line coach, let's be honest, because yeah. um, Steve Sarkeesian runs his own offense. So he's basically going to be the head coach and offensive coordinator all in one. So it's basically a pay rise for Kyle Flood and a slight promotion. Um, yeah, Jeff Banks exactly. as well. Jeff Banks uh, goes from uh, Alabama to Texas as well uh, to be the special teams and tight ends coach. So for uh, mom and recruiter as well, so a little bit of promotion. And AJ Milwe, he's going to be the quarterback coach at Texas, correct? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, I, I forget his exact uh, position with Alabama. I'm going to look it up now. Uh, he was just a football analyst with uh, Alabama, but he worked closely with Sarkeesian. But yeah, he's going to go to Texas now to be their uh, quarterbacks coach. Yeah, that's going to be um, going to be an interesting promotion for him. Uh, clearly, Sarkeesian thinks very highly of him if he's willing to promote him from just an analyst position to the quarterback coach. So, um, you know, he's got some big shoes to fill. Obviously, uh, Sam Ellinger moving on to the NFL. Uh, they're going to have to find his replacement, and it's going to be a lot up to Milwee to coach him up and get him ready for next year. So uh, that'll be one to follow as well. I, I 100% agree. Uh, and Alabama is in the process of replacing some of those coaches already. Uh, even though it's not official, it does look like uh, former Texans head coach Bill O'Brien is going to be their offensive coordinator. This is a move that's been in the works since before the national championship game. Um, it's still not official, so I'm not sure what's really holding it up yet. But all signs still point to that happening. And then uh, former Jacksonville Jaguars head coach uh, Doug Marone is going to go uh, go to Tuscaloosa to be their offensive line coach, which, I mean, is just uh, a great pickup for Alabama and Nick Saban's uh, coaching rehabilitation. We ha- wow, I can't speak tonight. Rehabilitation program there. Yeah, Nick Saban really is like a coaching rehab center, isn't he? I mean, he Bill is. O'Brien obviously flamed out at uh, with the Houston Texans in the NFL. Uh, a real ugly kind of divorce there. Um, obviously, former Penn State head coach as well. So uh, this is yep. a great landing spot for Bill O'Brien if it does indeed become official. Uh, one of the great offensive minds in football. Um, I think this could be a really good uh, marriage between him and Alabama. I think he's in the perfect spot to kind of revitalize his career. And uh, Doug Marone yeah. as well. I mean, you know, former head coach on multiple levels. Um, I think he's good. I think Nick Saban got a great hire with him as well. So yeah, Nick Saban is just really a rehab center for failed head coaches, and he can basically pull anyone he wants in in the country. It really doesn't matter. I mean, hundred percent. I mean, you look at the guys who've been on his staffs the last few years, even as just analysts, it's it's truly ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, he, he'll get Marone in here, and maybe Marone's going to be there for a while, but. Uh, at the same time, Marone could be here for uh, could be there, I should say, for two years, and then find himself with another head coaching job somewhere. Uh, but that'll be uh, interesting to see how that works. Um, any, I don't think I think that's really all the he- big head coaching news there, uh, which I guess means we could go into the big important topic here, Anthony. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the struggles down on Rocky Top. It's been quite the whirlwind for Tennessee recently, hasn't it, Dylan? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's gone from Rocky Top to Rock Bottom, uh, to say the least there. Uh, in case you haven't heard the news, which if you haven't, uh, and you're a you live under a rock. Fan, yeah, you you have to live under, under a rock. Uh, so I I, I guess some Tennessee fans wish they would be living on a rock right now because this this program, Anthony, is in a tailspin. It is uh, flying towards the ground at uh, 100 miles per hour, and it is it is breaking apart as it gets closer and closer, and it's just going to be ugly. Um, I, I don't even know where to start here, so let's just do it in simple words here. Jeremy Pruitt was... Uh, to no one's surprise, uh, 
uh, fired from Tennessee uh, this week, officially on Tuesday, came out on Monday, basically for recruiting violations, uh, multiple, uh, multiple, and probably quite a bit, uh, both on uh, level one and level two violations from Tennessee. So the Vols, uh, the Volunteers uh, Administration doesn't have to pay any money uh, in terms of buyout to Pruitt right now. And uh, Philip Fulmer, the former, obviously, legendary head coach of Tennessee, has also stepped down as their athletic director. So, I mean, it is a lot is going on in on Rocky Top, like you said. Yeah, obviously the firing of Jeremy Pruitt would be a big enough deal as it was, but it's more of the reason why he got fired is why it's such a big deal. Yeah. Like you uh, mentioned, several recruiting violations uh, for Tennessee so far. And one of the, the biggest ones, which is pretty pretty shocking if it, if it is 100% true, um, Tennessee was giving out cash to recruits in McDonald's orders. So these recruits and their families would go to a specific McDonald's, I'm assuming, in Knoxville, and they would order something. I don't know what the, it was like a secret code word or whatever for what they were getting, and they would just get cash. Yeah, I, I don't know how it specifically worked, but it, it, how, I mean, McDonald's bags, really? It just... Out of everything you could use, they they chose McDonald's bags. I mean, it's just I don't know if I truly believe the whole McDonald's bags thing, but obviously they were paying players. Everybody's paying players. Let's get that out there now. But I mean, there there's getting caught, and there's just what I mean. They were paying players to be this bad. Yeah, I mean Tennessee has not been good in a long time. <sighs> No. And, and this just isn't a Jeremy Pruitt issue. This has been an entire issue with the program for the last decade plus. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee. When was the last time Tennessee was a perennial program? It was probably the late 90s. They haven't uh, been good in a long time. Yeah, I mean, a lot, the last national championship uh, came in, uh, I guess that was... Was it 99? Yeah, yeah, 98, 98 or 99? 98. The, the 90, well, you're the 1998 season. Yeah. But uh, since that 1998 season, they've only had four 10-win seasons and haven't had any since 2007. Yeah, it, it's been ugly, and it's, it's going to get uglier. So all these recruiting violations, uh, clearly Pruitt had to go. Fulmer had to go. Um, there's probably going to be more punishment for Tennessee moving forward. Um, obviously, we will keep everyone posted on what happens there. But a bigger story, or at least as big of a story, is the mass exodus that is currently occurring with the Tennessee program. It's been yeah, like, this is- I think you said 23 players have transferred out of the program since the start of the offseason. Well, uh, not since the start of the offseason, but since the start of the 2021 recruiting cycle per 24-7 sports, 22 players have entered the transfer portal. A considerable amount of those have probably entered in the last three months or so since November. That's that's so many of your college players. players. In one recruiting cycle is ridiculous. That's almost a quarter of all your scholarship players. Yeah. That's insane. It's That's tr- an insane it's number of guys. Baffling. It it really is. Uh, and the crazy part is it's uh, not just it's not just like small names either. It's not just backup guys. These are Tennessee's best players, their most notable starters and star players hitting the portal. It, uh, exactly. I mean, they've lost Ten, probably upwards of ten four-star pr- recruit former f- recruits. They lost a five-star on Wanya Morris. I mean, I they're being absolutely gutted as a program. And I, why, if you're a head coach, why would you want to take this job? You're almost going to have to rebuild a quarter of your roster. 
Yeah, I know. And, and we can go into uh, the potential coaching hires for Tennessee, who they're looking at, who we think they should hire. But I think sure. we should talk about maybe just some of these names for a second. So obviously you mentioned yeah. uh, Wanya Morris heading to Oklahoma. He was down to Oklahoma and, ta- and Texas A&M, and he, he chose to, to transfer to the Sooners. That's, first of all, that's a great pickup for Oklahoma along their offensive line. Oh, fantastic. Um, I think the other, pickup. For sure, for sure. Uh, the other notable name is Henry Tooto, the uh, star linebacker for Tennessee. Um, he just announced today, along with three other guys, that he is deciding to transfer out of the program uh, amid all the coaching turnover. Um, he's a star player. Uh, he's arguably Tennessee's one of Tennessee's best players. He's going to have the big boys from all over the country pursuing him. He's originally from California. Um, what's your opinion on this one? I mean, yeah, one of the best linebackers in the country. This kid is legitimate. He's going to be a he's going to he's going to go on to play in the NFL. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a day one or day two pick. And at the net, uh, when it comes to getting drafted in the future. Um, yeah, from Cal. I mean, this is a kid that everybody in the country is going to want to get at if you're a top program. It, all, I mean, I, I think he's probably going to likely stay either in the SEC or uh, end up maybe back home closer to California. But either way, he, this kid's going to have everybody clawing to get him. Yeah, according to uh, 27, 24-7 Sports' Chris Hummer, he put an article up about three hours ago on, uh, you know, where he could potentially transfer to. Uh, it's a free article. Um, Alabama, Michigan, USC, and Georgia are all in the mix to land him. So, again, all some of the biggest schools in the country. I've seen reports that Florida is going to go heavy after him, and I'm sure they're not going to be the only schools. So he's a guy that he might be the most talented player, period, in the portal right now. So he could be quite the guy to look out for moving forward. Oh, absolutely. I, I think you could definitely make an argument for him being the best player in the portal uh, maybe this entire year. Oh, for sure. Um, the other three, there was, I mentioned there were four guys that from Tennessee that hit the portal today. The other three, uh, linebacker Quaveris Crouch out of North Carolina, offensive tackle Jameer Johnson out of Philadelphia, and running back Eric Gray. They all hit yeah. the portal um, all three of those guys were starting players, you know, really solid contributors for this team, all deciding to leave. Yeah, and uh, when you count Crouch, I mean, Tennessee just lost two of their, their two best linebackers. Their, their, Toto was their leading tackler, and Crouch was their third leading tackler. And Crouch is only a sophomore? I think he's a sophomore. I think him and Toto are both sophomores. Yeah. Um, I remember remember Crouch's recruitment uh, quite a bit. But yeah, I mean, losing your two top, losing your two best linebackers in one day is just an absolute gut punch, uh, especially how talented those two guys are. Uh, that Tennessee defense is going to have a hard time next year, uh, even with even with those guys, and now without them, I mean, uh, it can get real ugly. Other guys that have uh, decided to transfer or leave the program: uh, Jarrett Guarantano transferred to Washington State. Um, Big yeah. Cat Bryant, who was uh, a defensive end that was transferring in from Auburn. Um, it looks like he's about to back out of his transfer commitment. He deleted his commitment post to Tennessee off of Twitter. And that's usually a pretty good sign that um, he's reconsidering. And um, Tennessee's best signee in the class of 2021, Dylan Brooks, has officially announced that he wants out of his NLI as well. Uh, he was a five-star recruit, a defensive end linebacker hybrid. So uh, that's a big loss for Tennessee as well. Um. Yeah, it's it, it looks ugly. They lost their 2022 commitment, their sole one, three-star defensive end Jimmy Scott out of New York, and these aren't the only guys that are hitting the portal either. Um, rumors yeah. were flying about other high-profile players and high-profile uh, former recruits that are considering leaving the program. So, yeah, I mean, uh, of even of our guys, uh, I mean. Earlier this month, 
just last week, I think, they lost Ty Chandler to UNC. And then they lose Eric Gray, who was pretty good. Uh, I, well, I don't, I'm not sure if it was this season. Let me look up his stats. I mean, Eric Gray here. Uh, he played a lot last year as a he, freshman, Eric Gray. He did. As a freshman, he played a lot. This year, he had 157 attempts for 772 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, this kid's going to be going to go somewhere and be, I think, uh, could be a star. Uh, so you lose your two best running backs, uh, I would assume. I, I'm not going to be say I'm an expert in Tennessee program, but two really good running backs. You lose Darnell, uh, not Darnell, right? Yeah. You lost Juan Morris, a five-star already. Uh, you may be losing Darnell Wright. You're losing Jameer Johnson, who is a very good offensive lineman. I mean, you, you're looking at so many positions that are so important to success uh, quarterback. I mean, if, if Harrison Bailey leaves, they would have lost Harrison Bailey, Jared Garantano, and J.T. Shroud in one, one year. Who does that even leave for them? Do they have Caden? I mean, Caden Salter, I think, was an early enrollee. So I think he is he their only guy. Uh, yeah, I'll go check, but he may be. I mean, and the other thing is, is if I'm the NCAA, I am, or I don't know if the NCAA really could do this, but all these Tennessee guys who committed the 2021 class, they should have the they their NLIs should be nulled and voided and if they want to go somewhere else they should have the ability to go somewhere else because uh th- this is really a lot like what texas did and what auburn did uh to their coaches they waited until signing day was over to get rid of their coaches so they can keep their recruiting classes and i know the whole commit to the school not the coach but that's su- it's such a bs tactic to use on 17 and 18 year olds uh, and I know this is a different circumstance with Tennessee, but there's a reason they waited this long to start this process. And I mean, I, I think the entire 2021 class should be able to, if they want to go to a new place without having to officially transfer or anything. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's, I think it's really cheap to do that to recruits, um, to just yep. wait until after. They sign to say, oh, you know all those coaches that you built relationships with over the last couple of years. Uh, you were excited to play for those guys. Yeah, they, they're all gone. And we're going to bring in a whole new crop of coaches that you have no prior relationship with. Have fun. But, hey, you're in ink, so, so you can't go anywhere. I think yeah, it's ridiculous. Looking at their, looking at their quarterback's uh, scholarship distribution on 24-7 sports, uh, they have uh, – Outside of Harrison Bailey, right now on the roster, they only have uh, sophomore Brian uh, Maurer. At quarterback? And then they, at quarterback. They only have one other quarterback on the roster right now in Brian Maurer. And then, I mean, they do have Salter, and I'm, it do, he did uh, early enroll, but, I mean, who says he doesn't choose to go look somewhere new? It is also worth noting that Hendon Hooker was committed to transferring to Tennessee from Virginia Tech. I don't know if he signed. Uh, yeah, that, that's true. I forgot about that. So, Rich Salter and Hooker, they have four guys. But, I mean, there's still a good chance one of those guys still leaves. Um, it, I mean, I think we're just scratching the surface of this, this roster overhaul for Tennessee. Because this is a mass exodus on so many levels. Oh, for sure. And, yeah, this, this is going to be something I mean, to monitor and, not just this week, but weeks going forward. It's there's going to be a lot of a lot of movement here. Yeah, and I mean th- this affects more than just uh, players uh, too. Because uh, I mean, obviously Tennessee had uh, did also fire two assistants for their involvements in these allegations, but. I mean, there's a lot of guys on that Tennessee staff who are innocent and who are now possibly going to be uh, – innocent sounds so weird because we're not talking about, like, actual 
things that matter here, but had no involvement in this. And then, uh, I mean, I, I know a, uh, I know somebody who was going to join the Tennessee program, uh, in a role. Um, and now cause of Prude being gone, uh, he, he has no idea what he's, uh, going to be doing now in the future. Uh, and, the other thing I guess uh, we could briefly mention is I, Tennessee made this so obvious from the beginning what their plan was with the whole hiring uh, lawyers to investigate the program and the allegations and then hi- in the middle of a hiring freeze, basically hiring Kevin Steele to be the a defensive assistant, but now Kevin Steele's also the interim head coach. I mean, I, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm honestly not going to be surprised if Kevin Steele is the guy who ends up getting this job. Oh, 100%. Uh, Kevin Steele almost got the Auburn job. Um, I think Tennessee is in a position where they're not an attractive school to go to right now. No, no. I no. mean, think about it. Who are the. Let's let's talk about the coaching search a little bit. Um, let, let's play the role of Tennessee's AD, which they don't even have at the moment. Um, who's out there that you think would genuinely be interested in this job? Uh, okay, so uh, Kevin Steele, obviously. Um, I mean, do you go after a guy like a... Bill O'Brien? Is that why we haven't heard Bill O'Brien officially uh, sign the paperwork at Alabama? I mean, uh, I don't think it's a job. Like, I don't think he should take the job. I think he could do two or three years at Alabama, then get either another NFL head coaching job or different college head coaching job. But, I mean, he took over a program in turmoil at Penn State and did well. Uh, so I could see why Tennessee would want to target him. Um, there's Bill. You got Malzahn is out there. So we're looking at a lot of uh, failed so, head coaches right now. That's basically where Tennessee yeah, is sitting. I I don't think Billy Napier like. There's reports Billy Napier turned down the Auburn job and the South Carolina job, or wasn't interested. So why would he be in this job? interest in this job which is far worse off than those two yeah um i completely agree back to o'brien just for one second yeah go ahead it's, it's almost at the point where alabama's if i had a choice between being alabama's offensive coordinator or tennessee's head coach i would take alabama's offensive coordinator job like absolutely their oc job is a better look than a head coaching job in the sec that's how 100%. bad Tennessee is right now. But, yeah, I mean, looking at those names, there's no way Napier's going to take Tennessee if he turned down Auburn and South Carolina. Those jobs are infinitely better right now than, than how Tennessee appears. Um, Malzahn's out there. Um, I, I, that's probably an attainable name for them. Uh, Jamie Chadwell. Tom at, Herman's out there. Tom Herman's out there. You know, another head coach that just recently got let go. Um, he's a guy that I think could be interested. Um, would Jamie Chadwell be interested with the season he just had? I mean, I I, I would almost want to give that coastal program another year because I think he could end up getting a better job than Tennessee. I think so too. I think and, he'd I mean, be. We could do this in a, a future episode, but like in terms of job, the job at Tennessee, like. Where does it actually rank amongst the best jobs of the SEC? I mean, right now it's towards the bottom, but I mean, when it's when it's well, normal, let's let's middle go, of the road. Let's go through. Yeah, let's go through this right now. Say if we what job we would rather right now, okay. very quickly. I mean, you we would you'd want the Alabama job over it, obviously. Arkansas. I mean, maybe. Tennessee has better potential, but Arkansas may be, I mean, the better program to go to right now. I mean, are we in this in this scenario, are we assuming that Tennessee is normal? They're not in the turmoil they're in right now. We're going to consider Tennessee what they've been for the last decade. 
Okay, so like forgetting about the recruiting violations. Forgetting about the recruiting violations. Like here's the thing about here's the good things about Tennessee. It's a strong brand. Like it's one of the no matter how bad they've sucked over the last decade plus, they always recruit well. Why? Because they're a good brand. Yeah, of course. Like even even through all this bad play and turmoil they've had for the last thirteen years, still a very good brand that recruits identify with. Yeah. Personally I would I would take a normal Tennessee over a normal Arkansas. That's just me though. Like if Tennessee if Tennessee is even a eight nine win team, obviously I'd obviously take Tennessee. Tennessee has potential to be very good. But basically the biggest negative about Tennessee is there's just unrealistic expectations from the administration and from the fan base. That's every SEC school, though. It that is. That is an Alabama. I mean, to a point, it is. It, it's really them and Auburn, who are very similar, but Auburn at least does is able to do some of their talent. Tennessee has some of the best talent in the country, but it comes down to bad coaching every time. Um, but, yeah, so Tennessee and Arkansas – Let's say we'll take Tennessee. Uh, Auburn, I'd take Auburn over Tennessee. I'd take Auburn over Tennessee, easy. I'd take Florida over Tennessee. That's a slam dunk. I'd take Florida. Take Georgia. 100%. Uh, right now, we, I, I think I'd take Kentucky over Tennessee. In a normal situation, I'm taking Tennessee. If In I a normal situation, show. sure. But right now, I'd, I'd take uh, Kentucky. Yeah, in the current situation, sure. But, like, I'm looking at this, like, each school is equal, like, on equal standing in terms of everything. Sure. LSU, I would take LSU. Oh, LSU, I'd probably – LSU is, like, probably the second school on the – second or third in terms of yeah. ranking. I would – Mississippi State, I'll take Tennessee. I would probably take Tennessee over most years. Yes, agreed. I would take Tennessee over Mississippi State. Uh, Missouri. Now, Missouri is an interesting case. Historically, not a terrible program, but also not a, a great program. I would take Tennessee like, over Missouri. Most years. I, most years, I probably would, too. Uh, Missouri and Arkansas are so very similar in how that I mean we we know Arkansas for the last probably decade or so of being this bad program but I mean it wasn't that long ago that they were winning 10 8 10 games a year um uh, I mean it's about as long as Tennessee but still um moving on Ole Miss I'd probably take Tennessee over uh, most years. But right now, I'd take Ole Miss. Uh, South Carolina, that's another interesting case. I think, that, yeah, that's a close one. I think they're probably about equal. Maybe in most years, Tennessee slightly edges them out. But I, I think I think they're about equal. Texas A&M, I'd take over them. Agreed. And... Vanderbilt, I would obviously take Tennessee, but I mean, there's only, I think, two or three schools in the entire SEC right now that you could say legitimately, right now, you take the Tennessee job over them. Yeah, and even in a normal circumstance, I think there's at least half of the SEC that you would say you would take over Tennessee. Absolutely. I mean, I it's just at least- a, it, it, as an Eagles fan, like, I mean, this job is kind of like the Eagles job right now. I don't know who would want this Eagles job because you have to deal with a bad front office and a and a owner who thinks he should be Jerry Jones. You have a quarterback situation, which is, I mean, you have an overpaid quarterback who is coming off one of the worst regressions in NFL history. You don't know what you're – rise in second year quarterback truly is and 
I mean, it's it, I see very a lot of similarities right now between those two. But this Tennessee program, you, you're going to have to deal with unreasonable expectations from a fan base that still thinks it's the 90s. And you have T. Martin and Peyton Manning coming in every year. And then, not to mention the administration, and then you have to coach in the SEC West, which is, sorry, are they, are they in the East or the West? They're, the they're in the East. They're in the, they're in the East. Yeah, I mean, you're still behind Auburn and Georgia in the East, but you still play Alabama every year. So, I mean, it's just I don't I don't know why anybody would want this job. Somebody's going to take it, and I understand why they are going to take it at the same time. But I, I wouldn't touch this per, this job with a ten foot pole. Uh, so let's play AD for just one second. We're going to wrap this all up. You were the AD. Sure. Who are you hiring, and why? I'm. I I would go with the best coach I think who's out there right now. Gus Malzahn. He he's coached as coach at a similar program. Uh, I mean a better program in, in Auburn, but he's been able. He's he knows how to recruit at a school that is has a strong brand, is uh, good historically at recruiting. He knows how to coach at. A school that has an administration and fan base with high expectations, and even though he had some duds of a couple of years in Auburn, the dude is still one of the few coaches who has been able to beat Nick Saban in Alabama more than once. Like he knows how to win. Is he going to win you national championship? Probably not. Is he going to get you to ten wins every year in the immediate future? Probably not. But is he somebody who could possibly come in and stabilize that program? Absolutely. And I think right now they need more of program stability than they need than than they need in terms of worrying about how to win 10, 11 games and get into a college football playoff because that's not happening anytime in the future. I'm going to give you – I think that's a very respectable hire, and I think Gus Malzahn would at least stabilize that program. But I'm going to give you a name that – is really like an un, an unknown commodity almost, and a guy that I think would almost be the perfect hire for Tennessee, but almost like a sneaky perfect hire, like nobody would think so at first. And I'm gonna, I don't think he would take the job, but I'm gonna give you UAB's Bill Clark. All I right, I, I can understand that one, but why? What he's done with UAB is nothing short of incredible. First of all, UAB oh, absolutely. in 2015 and 2016 did not exist. They did not have a football yeah. program. They canceled it. They basically had a two-year death penalty imposed on themselves due to a lack of funding from the administration. They come mm-hmm. back in 2017. They go 8-5. and five. In 2018, they go 11-3. and three. In 2019, 9-5. and five. And in 2020, 6-3. They have not had a losing season and have been incredibly good under Bill Clark in his time there. They've won the Conference USA Championship two of the last three years. I think that Bill Clark would be a home run hire for this team. I think that he would, I think he's done really solid with recruiting at UAB. I think he knows how to rebuild a program. And he's not a, he's not like the boom, like biggest name guy, but I think that could be exactly what Tennessee needs right now. Go get yourself a guy that's gonna put his nose to the grindstone and hit it hard, and I think that he's I think he can be a great hire for them. Yeah, a- absolutely. I, I I do I fully agree. I think Bill Clark is, has done one of the best coaching jobs in all of college football over the last five years. What he's done with that UAB program is nothing short of phenomenal. And I yeah, I, I could definitely agree that I think that would be a really good hire for Tennessee. It, it, no, it's not a is it a big name, sexy hire that Tennessee fans would, I mean, be excited about? Probably not. But I mean, is he somebody who could also come in, stabilize that program, and build a winning culture? Absolutely. And I, I do agree that that would be a a home run hire in my mind as well. Yeah, because I think the biggest, the first name that everybody threw out there was Hugh Freeze, and 
I, if I look at Hugh Freeze and I see another three to four year down the line, another three to four years, you're going to have another head coaching hire. Cause I just think that as much as Hugh Freeze has done a great job with Liberty, I don't think Tennessee is the spot for him to try to jump back into SEC football. I, I think that you need a guy that's almost like he's like low key in terms of like what he's accomplished. And I think that Bill Clark would fit that, fit that perfectly for them. Additionally, uh, the, the optics of also hiring a guy like Freeze after firing Pruitt for recruiting violations would be tone deaf. Yeah, at best. The good, the good news is that at Tennessee best. has basically already said that like, they're not, or at least the Tennessee insiders, yeah, I, I, that, that's not I, happening. I don't think, yeah, I don't think, I don't think Hugh Freeze, I, I mean, I, I was part of the whole Hugh Freeze Auburn thing makes a lot of sense, but after him not getting that job, and I mean, I, I don't know if he's as wanted right now as we think he is, because I still think there's a stigma around him. And I mean, no, it's it, it's not like he did terrible things at, like I mean, truly terrible things at uh, Ole Miss. Did he do good things? Absolutely not. There was, I mean, he he got into a lot of trouble, obviously, but I, I still think there's a stigma about possibly hiring him and. Uh, I mean, people weren't exactly jumped for joy by the fact that Liberty hired him when they did. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. It'd be, it, it would be quite the interesting move. Um, yeah, and I, I think that ends our Tennessee discussion for now. Uh but as we're recording this, there had there was some breaking news out of the Pac-12, and uh, that is that the Pac-12 has agreed to part ways with Commissioner Larry Scott. That's interesting. Which, I mean, th- this is this is huge. Larry Scott, obviously, not a beloved figure in terms of. Uh, Pac-12, uh, fan, I don't say fan, yeah, Pac-12 fans. He's been, he's been the commissioner of the Pac-12 uh, since I man, uh, two thousand nine, I believe. Uh, he was responsible for the launch launching of the Pac-12 network, and that's obviously not gone to plan at all, which has been one of his the major things against him and. Uh, Pac-12 fans obviously jump for joy here, uh, to say the least. Um, but uh, yeah, it, that that is uh, considerable news, uh, especially when you think about the fact that after they find his replacement uh, over the la- course of the last uh, twelve to twenty-four months, I guess 12, 6, 12 to sixteen months, we will have seen the replacement of the Big Ten commissioner, the ACC commissioner and the Pac-12 commissioner. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. That's that's a lot of uh, big-time names to have to replace in such a short amount of time along college football. But, um, yeah, I would assume that this whole COVID season with the way that the Pac-12 handled it uh, definitely um, helped to do him in in terms of uh, his job as commissioner. Um, You mentioned the failure of the Pac-12 network. Obviously, we've seen other networks such as uh, the SEC Network and the Big Ten Network uh, take off and get more mainstream success. And you don't really hear much about the Pac-12 Network, so that definitely plays a part in it. But, um, yeah, and just also the Pac-12 hasn't really had a lot of success in the playoff recently. So I think uh, the focus of the next commissioner is going to be, you know, getting the Pac-12 out there more. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that does come down with Pac-12 is as much as people want it to be a football and basketball conference, at the end of the day, it truly is an Olympic sport conference the most. They they focus on Olympic sports more than anything out there. Yeah, they do a pretty damn good job of it. So, you know, they'll always have USC. But they'll I, always have Oregon who are going to be good, but... Uh, yeah, like you said, they're going to be an Olympic four conference. 
Yeah, but if you're Larry Scott, you uh, you made forty million dollars over your uh, twelve or so years as the commissioner, so it works out. Yeah, I mean, he made his money. But I guess with that, uh, I I think we can end it here. Uh, I'm sure at some point I was just rambling on. So if you didn't make it to the end of the episode, have yourself a nice beer. If you're over the age of 21, of course, uh, have yourself a cookie. Um, because it takes somebody truly special and somebody who loves college football to sit through uh, an entire podcast of me rambling and Anthony trying to make everything I say coherent. Uh, anything else, Anthony? No, that'll just about do it. Um, I hope everybody has a great rest of your week. Um, definitely continue to track everything going on with Tennessee because it is a dumpster fire inside of another dumpster fire, and that dumpster itself is on fire. But, um, yeah, uh, I'll let Dylan sign us out, but uh, take care, everybody. Yeah, uh, that I just saw this from Nicole Auerbach on Twitter uh, about the ACs, about the uh, Pac-12 commissioner job. Uh, to quote, uh, one name that I've heard from two people already, Ohio State AD Gene Smith. That would be an interesting one. That that would that would be and and that that would be a, a quite a loss for Ohio State. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that at our point. Uh, but thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we love you for listening, and we'll talk to you real soon. Have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy the NFL uh, conference championship games and. We'll talk to you again next week.